This podcast is sponsored by Barclay Estates and Management Bristol. Whether you're a landlord or a tenant, Barclay Estates and Management are committed to providing you with the best possible service. We provide a hassle-free service for landlords and access to properties all over Bristol and the surrounding areas. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, Robins Reunited. In today's episode, we have got two players. Um, one is a goalkeeper, one was a defender, and between them, 460 appearances for Bristol City. And actually, six goals, I think, as well. But um, that would come from, came from one of the players. But uh, today, we are joined by Matt Hill, who um, is turning 40 very very soon um like myself so uh, a similar age um and and steve phillips i don't know how old you are steve but uh, maybe keep that to yourself it's entirely up to you but first to 42, you, steve. Mate. 42 42 i am absolutely looking good right yeah looking, looking fantastic you've got more hair than both of us combined so uh, congratulations <laughs> how are you steve for coming to you first how, how's, how's things with you yeah very good absolutely very good not uh we did, we're in a miserable moment, aren't we, with the coronavirus and all that? And um, I think everybody is feeling a little bit low with it. I just try and find a little bit of positivity out of every tricky situation. And the, the bit for me is um, I've got an amazing 14-year-old little girl that I see every day. Uh, we've got another one coming on the 14th of April, a little boy. Um, we've done, as far as goalkeeping terms go, I run three goalkeeping academies around the area of uh, Yeovil, Bridgewater and Mitchell Norton. And we've done a Zoom every week with some really high-profile footballers, Asmir Begovic, Ben Foster, Jonathan Gould, Mike Sal, you name it, we, we've covered it. And it's, it's it, yeah, I, I think it's been, yeah, miserable, really miserable and some and really bleak times. But I, I, I've found some real positives out of having a bit of time at home and, and still trying to interact with the kids that I coach. So... Um, absolutely it's great pretty it, good at the moment it's been a, a massive adjustment for all of us and and you have to take the positives out of it you know i i've started doing more podcasting which has kept me entertained kept me busy on an evening um and yeah great that you've been putting a bit back as well with the zoom calls and getting supporting lots of local local football clubs and getting those high profile names in it's been fantastic i've seen uh seen a lot of it going on on twitter yeah I think Scotty Murray's been the advocate for that. He's been absolutely different class, hasn't he, over the course of all three lockdowns. I know, uh, he's done one for me. He's done anyone that asks him. He's he's done them for. He's done one every night, I think, for the last year. So people yeah. like Scotty is it, that is like a proper effort because you know he has got his own life. I know he can't do a lot, but mm. to do one almost every night, other than when football's calling him, then you know people like that are worth their their weight in gold. Fantastic. And coming to you, Matt. Matt, how are you? And where, whereabouts are you? Are you have you settled down now? Yeah, Pre- Preston is um, yeah, Preston, yes. Uh, obviously, obviously when I left uh, Bristol City to to move to uh, to Preston, um I've made it my home. Um, you know, the clubs that I've kind of traveled to thereafter, um I drove uh because, you know, we had a family uh the like myself, are older now. Um, the eldest is twenty, um, middle one is fifteen, and uh, the youngest is thirteen. So, um, hey, uh, mate, Matty, your your oldest is flying, mate. Your oldest lad's flying, by the way. Oh, 
You bet you must be buzzing. Yeah, proud of him. Um, yeah, but like anything, Steve, you know what it's like. You know how hard it is in terms of getting into the, you know, breaking into the men's football. Um, so he's just kind of getting in now. He's just managed to put eight games together, which is, you know, most consistent in terms of performances and games put together. So, um, you know, he's starting to establish himself as a as a centre half now, and uh, you know, good luck to him. So, yeah, he's. It's been nice at weekends for me to just sit sit and watch him. Brilliant. Yeah, I bet, mate. I bet. Okay, let's talk about Bristol City. So we'll start. We'll start with you, Steve. So you joined from Poulton in 1997. Is that correct? 1996, actually. 90, well, you better get Wikipedia updated. Well, I turned pro. <laughs> I, I turned pro two weeks before Christmas, 1996. Wow. Okay. And how how did that how did that move come about? How did you um, move from Poulton to, to City? Who signed you, etc.? Well. Cut a long story short, I was I was uh, playing reserve Portland reserves at sixteen, um, and the goalie was in the first team at the time. I'd never been coached up until I actually turned pro. Um, so when I turned sixteen, I was playing in the reserves at Portland. The first team goalie went back to his club that he he left from, which was Tiverton, and they didn't have a goalie. This was a Friday, so they asked me to play in goal, and that was Western League Premier Division at sixteen years old, never been coached. Oh dear. So yeah, I was tall. I could, I was loud and I could kick it. All right. So um, anyway, so I played one, one nil. I kept a clean sheet and and it was, that was almost a turning point for me in my career where I thought I'll have some of this. One, I got 50 quid, which was probably a quarter of what I was getting paid. Maybe more, more than a quarter of what I was getting paid to do a job a week um, for doing something that you love. You know, we train once a week and I, I thought, right, what have I got to do really because there was no coaching around. There was no goalie coach. There aren't any goalie coaches around now, Barbie. Um, so I, I had to find a way of, of self-teaching myself, basically, to, to come to a level where I could stay in the first team um, at Portland. And, and that's what I did. And I analysed match of the day every, every weekend, all the goalies. Didn't just analyse or just watch it like a kid. What a goal, what a save, what a mistake. I actually analysed why they made a mistake. What happened? How did they make that save? I, you know, all that, everything. Um, rewind, 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 replay, replay, replay. Um, which goalies? Which goalies in particular, Steve? Did you? What year are we talking? Oh, um, well, Peter Schmeichel early on. Um, you're talking now, 25 years ago. So uh, it'd be, it's difficult to pinpoint any because I watched that many. Peter Schmeichel's got he's got he stands stands apart as of having his own techniques like that big sort of coming out closing yeah. down with the big yeah. arms lots of different yeah, techniques yeah. yeah there was loads of different techniques and I'd sort of tried to take a little bit of everything into training because I never had a goalie coach until Mike Gibson at Bristol City so what I did was I was able to get myself to a level where I stayed in the team um, somehow and, and improved myself which is wasn't easy at that age and and the mentality that I had, that I look back on now, I'm retired, um, enabled me to stay in the game for 22 or three years. Because if you don't have that, you 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 get weight, you're, you're on the scrap heap so quick. And um, that was one of the fundamental things that kept me in the game and allowed me to play over 600 games was that mentality to keep going and learn and, and keep improving. And and that got kept me in the first team at a very young age. And that raised eyebrows, basically. And Plymouth was one. I went down and had a trial at Plymouth. I came back. I went to Bristol City. Had a trial. 
um, then came back and, and the lad, can't remember, can't remember who, the, who was there, the other goalie, you might have been too young, Matty. The other goalie, the, well, he was well, the Welsh lad, he was my age and it was Keith Welsh and Stuart Naylor. Not Bob Clark. No, no, Clarky came later on and um, I, uh, he was ill on a Monday, got a call off of Mike Gibson said, look, Steve, the, the lad who's playing, it wasn't Welsh or Stu, it was the young lad who I was trying to get it to take his place had gone downhill on a Monday morning. They had a Swindon on a Monday night at Clevedon. And my boss loved football. He said, look, mate, go and play. I was working late that, that night. And um, I went and played. And they had five, they had, uh, they got beat 5-0 on the Saturday, right? The Swindon first team. And nine of their first team turned up at Clevedon against an under-18 under team almost. And we beat them 3-2. So they, they must have been fuming, the manager, because he's obviously chucked them all in there to give them a bit of a, a rocket. And they've been done by an under eighteen, basically, and um, it could have got it could have gone so wrong. It went so right on the night, and um, I got a call literally days later from Gibbo saying he thought I was um, very coachable, um, and they'd like to give me a deal for the rest of that season, which was two weeks before Christmas, nineteen ninety six, and another season after that. And um, yeah, when I signed, um, you know, that, that mentality kicked in and I worked so hard. I, I had to because I was so far behind. Um, and who who and actually signed you? Which which manager was that? And Joe, Joe, Joe Jordan and Jerry Sweeney right, okay. signed me. And then did you work, did you get, how did you work your way into the first team? Were you, who was who was first team goalkeeper at the time? Keith, Keith Welsh? Keith, 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 and, Keith Welsh and Stewie, but Keith was in the team. Stewie didn't play many games while I was there. And I think he left pretty quickly, sort of at the end of that season even. Um, and then it was me and Welsh for a bit. And I, I, all I remember is in my head, I was thinking, I'm so far behind, technically, tactically. Um, I've got to train every minute that I can. So I train, that's what I did. I was out on the pitch constantly, day in, day out, morning, morning in, morning out, afternoons, weekends. Um, Gibbo wrote in my testimonial brochure, <laughs> uh, and this probably typified me as a, as a, as a professional, really, um, always playing catch-up. Uh, he said, um, he wrote a piece in my, amongst other people in the, in the testimonial brochure, and he said, um, I hadn't even unpacked my suitcase, and Steve was on the phone asking me to go training. <laughs> And and in a nutshell, that was me. And I I'd never had as back then, Matty. We could all go away for like seven or eight weeks, couldn't we? Get absolutely smashed, eat what you want, come back, get run for three weeks, and then you get the ball at preseason. I know it's slightly different now, but um, I used to make sure I knew when Gibbo was going on holiday, uh, so that that week I could have a break, and it didn't overlap hit wow. me, so I would lose a week's training. Um, and that's what I constantly did for five years. And it was, I think I played over 150 games in five years into my first city career before I had a whole summer off. Wow. Absolutely. Fa right. We're going to, we're going to go to Matty now and talk about how Matty came to, to, uh, to Bristol city. You were a YT, um, 96 to 98 and you broke into the first team around 1998. Is that, is that about the long and short of it in terms of your start with Bristol city? Yeah, um, went through all the ranks, under 10s, um, well, actually under 11s, that's a lie, under 11s through, obviously doing the uh, the scholarship and yeah, it was, a, you know, being a Bristolian and being able to to make your debut, um, I actually remember it because it's the famous, well, six 
6-1 loss to Wolverhampton Wanderers and it was actually the uh, the mascots that had the uh, the famous bust up at half time oh, so yeah. um, I, I think Brilliant. I was yeah so so I think I was probably the only one coming off that pitch with a smile on my face you know uh, I think it was, we were 4-1 down and lost 6-1 um, but like you say, being a, a Bristolian and coming on um, and playing was, uh, yeah, like you say, it's, it's, it's every boy's dream, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, proud moment. So you came you came through with um, an episode one. We had Joe Bunnell and Danny Cole. So you were in that same sort of era, I guess, in terms of your your breakthrough into the first team. And they spoke about the the sort of the almost the brotherhood that you guys had all coming through at the same time. Um, and that really helped. It really helped you knit together as a team. Yeah, I, I think um, I think there was a bit of a transitional period um, at the time. Um, you know, Joe Jordan, no, just because you said Joe Jordan, um, John Ward um, was was there when they got the, when they got the promotion. Um, and then obviously we were coming down because we were struggling. Benny Lenartson came in and then he was really pushing myself um, forward into the first team. I was training more and, and getting opportunities. Um, and then, like you say, you know, the, when Dave Burnside, um, the bless him, and uh, Leroy, Leroy Rossinia, uh, Tony Forfrapport came in, um, that was the opportunity and that was the transition for Bristolians and, and the youth team lads to get their opportunity. You know, I could, I could give you the long list of Aaron Brown, you know, Tommy Dock was in the side, Lewis Carey, um, as we said, Danny Coles, uh, the lads in the, uh, who came from London, Kevin Amanqua, you know, Leroy Lita, you know, you name all his name, Damien Spencer. We all came through, which was fantastic um, in terms of as a group. Um, and at that time, it was, you know, it was a massive achievement for the academy. Um, and it was, you know, a good sort of camaraderie that we had becoming young lads, you know, trying to become men in a, in a men's game. Yeah. You, you touched on your, your debut there, that 6-1 defeat um, at home to Wolves. Was that at all damaging for you and your career coming in and, and uh, into a game where you lose 6-1 as a debut? Because often you, you you don't hear managers sort of, I know that you didn't know you were going to lose 6-1, but you, you, you don't see a lot of um, managers that put, put young players at risk of, of such a heavy defeat in that in that situation. Um, I, I think in a weird sense, I think it's probably a nice time to come because as a defender, I know it sounds stupid, but it, it, it'd probably been harder to come on if you're nil-nil or you're one nil up and potentially coming on then. What if you concede or what if you, you, know, you lose 3-1 at the time? It, then the, there could have been big pressure and questions asked of, you know, I, can you cut it? You know, are you good enough to be a defender in the, you know, in the 11? So I think the pressure's off. You fall one down, the game's over, you know, go on and, and enjoy yourself almost. So uh, that's what I did. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> um, come back to you, Steve. So your your memories of, of Matty Hill, um, I know he played uh, centre-back. What was it like to have, have Matt alongside you in the, in the defence? Um, I, I thought he was top class. I'm not saying that because you're on here, Matty, because if you were not very good, mate, I'd say you're rubbish. But <laughs> you are. You, I thought you were a top draw, mate. I think you were very athletic, very strong. Um, you had an unbelievable leap because you're not that tall, are you, for a cent central defender? Um, and I just remember your power. You, you, you had everything, mate. And, and, and that leads on to where you got to once you left, like the level that you played at. Um, just a generally decent bloke around the changing room. I, I think that can be underestimated as well. Um, um, the, the one thing that did annoy me is he kept giving penalties away for handball. Um, I bailed you out a few times. 
Bristol Rovers away might be one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So just remember, mate, in your will, just uh, just write my name at the bottom. <laughs> Any amount will be be handy. Brilliant. No, but all, all all joking aside, that the Bristol Rovers one um, was it handball with Bristol Rovers? Yeah, handball. Yeah, harsh as well. I still see. I still watch that video, and I still say it's never a pen. Do you know what I mean? It's still harsh, but there we go. Never I, ever. I haven't let that go. No, was it you that give was it you that give one away against Everton as well? Or was that not you? We played Everton in the Carling Cup. Home, oh, home Coles. Was that Colsey? Won it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I've only got great, great things to say about Matty, both on and off the pitch. I think um, off the pitch is um, can be very understated as well with the with the dressing room and stuff. And yeah, generally a decent guy. Fantastic to hear, and uh, I guess Matt on Steve as a as the goalkeeper with with uh, two hundred and fifty seven appearances, he must have been pretty much the goalkeeper more or less the whole time you played for Bristol City. Yeah, he was. Um, like I said, we had you know I remember Stowley at first when he was coming through, and uh, Steve was working underneath himself, and then like ourselves, you know, getting that opportunity to become number one. Um, you know, and took it with both hands. Yes, we had plenty of ear bashing from him. Jesus crumbs after he's made a save. We're getting the ear bashing for fun. Uh, I won't lie to you, would wind you up for fun because you are trying your best to stop it. But, um, yeah, no, that, that was what it was. Oh, God. Yeah, a lot too sure about that. Um, but no, like you say, when, when you're playing in the back four or back three, which we were, which we were playing, you know, it's important that you've got a keeper you can trust. Um, and Steve was one of those players that you can trust him in goal, trust him in behind to to come and catch things, to bail you out when you're in trouble. Um, and, and like you said, I thought we, you know, had a good partnership. Even sometimes when you thought he's moaning at you, you think, yeah, shut up, Steve. But it's always for the best because we want to win. You know, he wanted to win. We all wanted to win. And, and that's what you get. You know, we had players that were, you know, passionate about what they what they do, want to win, will to win. And, um, you know, he was definitely a person that... Uh, I wanted to win every game or even in training. Yeah. Um, and so the 2001, sorry, 2000, 2001 season, Matt, you, you were player of the year and young player of the year. What was that well, accolade like having that, that double, double yeah. award? Oh, so it's, it, it's a massive honor. Um, you know, you work so hard throughout the season. Uh, but again, you know, from a personal point of view, it's, 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 you know, it's overwhelming um, because like you said, you're being rewarded or you're being recognised for the hard work that you've put in, the effort that you've put in. Um, so for me, it was, you know, the, the proudest moments of my uh, my footballing career. It's still sitting up on my on my cabinet there. Um, and it's something, like you said, I'll always be proud of and, and cherish. Because like you say, being a Bristol lad as well, as Steve knows as well, it's it, Bristol's a big place. And, um, and sometimes it was hard. I don't know if Steve found it, but I definitely did as well. Because, listen, there were plenty of games where, things were going wrong in terms of, like you said, consecutive handballs or, you know, distribution wasn't great. I need to get knocked with that. But you could never get away from it. But the nice thing was, is when things were going well, then it's, you know, it was, it was great. It's a great buzz. And you know, like you said, it was fantastic for me to get that recognition for, for all the hard work. Just to, you say about distribution, uh, Col- Colsey and uh, Joe both both joked that you had a friend that used to sit in the Dolman stand that you like to pass to. <laughs> Any comment on that? Brilliant. Listen, I always say my, my counteract was look, you can't score in the stand. It doesn't matter what you say. The ball cannot go in the net if it's in the stand. So, yeah. 
safety first, put it that way. But no, yeah, I, um, you know, I had, I had a lot of work to, to do. My defending was my stronger point, potentially my distribution, which I did work hard, you know. Um, you know, I did make a lot of mistakes, especially in my response. Well, actually, I, I'm going to tell a lie, Bristol City, my whole career, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, like you said, defending was a strong point. The distribution was always something that I had having to work on and and, uh, and keep mastering. And um, did I say I ever cracked it? Probably not, but uh, I definitely tried. Yeah, fantastic. Both both great players, both great servants, Bristol City. Um, I'm going to move you on to uh, 2004, um, May 2004, Brighton at the Millennium Stadium. Um, unfortunately, it, we lost 1-0. But um, how how was that playing in a in a in a playoff final? And coming to you first, Steve, how 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 was the day for you in general? I mean, there was obviously I know we we didn't we didn't you know cross the line, but getting to the playoff final, what a, a great season! And that was the pinnacle. Yeah, well, it was a great season, and we we I think we just finished third, um, which was a shame really because we had a, a really good season. Um, and I think we lost in the playoffs before that in the semi-finals to Cardiff. If I'm if you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, so we'd had a taste of that already. And and listen, make no mistake, how good Danny Wilson and Frank Barlow were as managers, by the way. Um, and uh, I think they got sacked a year too soon, but that's another story. So um, they were uh, they were a joy to play for, and it, it showed. Um, it showed definitely on, on the pitch and we had a very good team spirit. Danny Wilson treated players right. Frank Barlow was brilliant as a number two. And all I remember is Hartlepool in the semi-final was epic. Yeah. Um, really, really, what a game. Hartlepool away is a very, was a very, very tricky place to go. Very close ground, small, tight ground. They had a very good team. Um, and I made a mistake in that game away from home but also played really well. So I made a load of saves and then messed up for the goal. <clears throat> so we, I, I thought we would hammer them when we got them back to Ashton Gate, full house. And it didn't happen that way. And they, I think they scored, uh, I think they scored first. Mm-hmm. And then we scored in two in the last, I don't know how many minutes. And um, I'd had my nose reset uh, about a week before. And all I can remember is the final whistle going and Cozy running over to me and head but jumped on me and headbutted me straight in the nose and bent my nose back to where it just come from. Um, so you'd gone from ecstasy to, to sheer oh, pain. Agony, agony, and then I'd have it restrained after the match by the doc. Um, so that was the lead up to the, the final. And I, I honestly thought we were unbeatable. Let's get this before we move on to the final because that Hartlepool game, I, I interviewed Jeff Stellin um, back in May last year. And obviously we spoke about Bristol City and he was actually at the ground that day. And we both said, Jeff said it first, that he'd never felt a ground move. And mm. I felt it in the stands as well. And when Christian Roberts scored that winning goal, the literally the whole the whole place shook. What was it like for you guys on the pitch at that point? Let's uh, go to Steve first. I never, I never really let my emotions get the better of me. Um, I was, I, I managed to keep all that. Yeah, I was buzzing. Don't, don't get me wrong. I was absolutely buzzing. Um, but I, I always tried to, cause there are still minutes left in the game and until you've done and dusted, I always on, on the pitch, I always tried to keep my, myself in check, really being a goalie as well. 
um, you go running around like a lunatic and then you drop one in or you do something and they, they swore straight at you. You don't look the best. So I always tried to keep myself in check if I could. Sometimes I couldn't, but I, the majority of the time I did. Um, I just can't believe that. Um, Mark, was it Mark Good? Good, good fellow. Good fellow, that's it. Good Mark Goodfellow scored a header. Yeah, he did. He is like, he's Matty. He's like, fight. He is, how big is he, Matty? Five foot two? He was, he was like, tiny. What a header. What a header. But, wow, what a game. What a game. Fantastic. It was a cross, I think, from Christian Roberts to to Goodfellow to to set that one up. And then. Good player, uh, Christian uh, Roberts. Good player. Christian Roberts absolutely took it took it through everybody seemingly at the time and uh, and slotted it home. Matt, for you that game at Ashton Gate, have you ever experienced anything like that before? Yeah, it's uh, oh, it was magical, wasn't it? You know what I mean. The sort of I think relief as well as you know joy uh, because, like you said, when you're losing and you're trying to chase the game, um, you know we knew that if we could get that goal, we would you know with the momentum, especially with the fans behind us, you know we knew that we would you know, potentially win the game. But until you get those goals, you know, you're always tense, you're always nervy. Um, and then, like you said, that sheer relief of, uh, you know, when we get the first, you know, with the fans going, you, you knew, you know, the momentum was on our side. And like you said, when you when you win the game and everyone's going bananas, it's, it is, like you said, the best feeling in the world. Your adrenaline just go through the roof. Um, and it's like you said again. You're, you're proud to be Bristolian, and you, you go on about it, but you don't appreciate it until you speak to your mates that support and watch. I, I put my hand up. I was never a, a fan to go and watch football. Love playing it, but not a fan to go and watch it. But when I've got my mates who were fans of Bristol City, and you're doing what they've always wished to do and things like that. It's just you know unbelievable for me and for them as well. So yeah, we were just on cloud nine really. So you you guys go into the playoff final um, at the Millennium Stadium um, against Brighton. You, Steve, uh, you must have thought it it was a game you're going to win. You don't go in expecting to lose. What 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 do you think went What do you think went wrong on the day? Was it Brighton were 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 better? What what do you think was the We were awful. Right, we were awful. As simple as that. We it was probably the the game. It was our worst game we played all season. No, no questions about that. We didn't get going. We didn't hardly create any chances. We gave a sloppy penalty away in the like last eight minutes of the game, where they just had something to hold on to. We didn't really have a threat. It, it was it, oh, miserable game, miserable game. And what do you um, put that um, down to? Do you put that down to the occasion or mental mm, burnout, physical? No, burnout? no, none of that. It, 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 if, you, if you could put your finger on why you play badly, you'd be like a trillionaire. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? Why, why did we play badly? At, at some point, we were going to play badly over the course of the season. I thought we were brilliant all season. Yeah, we lost games, but we didn't lose like we lost the playoff final. We were miserable the whole game. Um, and yeah, it was it was a tough one to get over that because Danny Wilson got sacked straight away. And mm. um, in my opinion, he, we, he, he went a year too early. I don't know what the reasons were over different stories of why he went and how he went. And some are not very nice to listen to. And whether you, you listen and you believe the stories, I don't know. But yeah, I think they left. He, he left a year too early, definitely. And for you, Matt, in terms of the uh, the game itself, it wasn't the occasion or mental fatigue or anything like that. Just a just a, a day off. Yeah, we'll never know. Like I say it, it could have been a, a combination of everything. I know players, 
like you said, it's a big occasion, isn't it? Um, I don't think both teams really played great football. Um, that I can remember. I don't think I've actually really ever gone back and watched the game, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did the emotion take care of it? You know, are we heavy legged because of the whole occasion? Possibly. But again, both teams didn't really, I don't really remember Steve having lots to do in the game. I don't obviously remember us having many shots, um, you know, chances created. It was it was a flat game. Um, and like you said, it was always going to be a cagey affair anyway, because the stakes are so high. Mm. One mistake, one error, and that's our, our mistake. And uh, we get punished and... I won't lie, it, it really did feel like the whole season was a waste of time because, like you said, you just feel completely crushed, you know, to go through all the euphoria that we'd gone through all season uh, to a massive bump, um, you know, that, 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 was, that was a tough one to take. Yeah, I mean, as a as a fan, it, it was absolutely gutting. You know that that day out of going across the bridge to to the Millennium Stadium, and uh, the the expectation was there, having such a good season. Let's go through um, let's just go through some of the players, um, um, and we'll pick that day as as the example. So, in defence, you had yourself, Matt, uh, Tony Butler, Lewis Carey, and Danny Coles with Steve in goals. No, we actually, um, if I can remember it, we were still a three at the back. So I I. Um... In my head, I still think it was Colsey. How was it now? I, I thought I'm sure it's Colsey because I'd have played at left back otherwise. But I'm sure I was playing at a three at the back. Okay, Do you remember that, Steve? Uh, I think you're right, Matt. I think you were. I, I can't remember. I've never played that. No, I've not played right back. I can't swing my right foot. So there we go. <laughs> no, I, I, I was just about to say. I was just about to big you up then, mate, and say, Matt, you can play anywhere. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember, Matt. I think you might I think you might be right, but I can't remember Lewis, Matty Hill, Tony Butler, and Danny Coles, which one didn't play in the three centre halves. Did, did Lewis play right wing back? Yeah. Right wing back. Because I think Lewis was doing Lewis is in a period where he was playing really well. But and then I'm I think to myself, did I did I who played left wing? Because it'll tell me who where so I played. I'll, I'll tell you the full team. Um so uh, on, on top of the ones I've mentioned, Tommy Doherty. Uh, Brian Tierney, Craig Woodman, Lee Miller, Christian Roberts, and Tony Rougier. Woody would have played left wing back, wouldn't he? Yeah. And Lewis played right wing back. Yeah. Got it. So it'd be me. Okay. Yeah, Lewis played right wing back. Yeah. Tins in the middle, with with everything that you were you were saying then. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? How was that playing? Is that is that how you? I can't remember how you played all season. Was it sort of the keeping with three at the back? Yeah. So we we like to play. Yeah, we did play quite a lot of the, the three at the back. Um, we did mix it now and again to play a, um, a four, but with Mickey Bell playing, you know, wide down the uh, down the left as well at times, uh, myself. I think it just suited us more. We had Keith Millen uh, at times then. I'm sure Keith was there. Or, no, Tony Butler. Sorry, when I'm out flipping out all the mixes. Um, we had, you know, a better balance with an experienced centre-half. And then we were either side playing. Um if 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 I'm not mistaken, in that same season, did we not win the LDV? Yeah, I was going to come on to that. Yeah, the LDV, that's a, a happier time. I was going to end with that. <laughs> right, I'm just I'm just making sure that, that was in my because yeah, um, I remember um, playing every game in that. I don't want to. I'll go back to the final, but yeah, um, I played every game in the uh, uh, leading up to the LDV and got dropped in the final. Um, oh. for, 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 for Mickey Bell um, and obviously Danny Wilson gave me his reasons why um, and then obviously coming towards the final I got my opportunity to play um, 
So that was why I was thinking, where was where was Mickey Bell in that? That's the only reason why I asked that that, that same question. But um, yeah, uh, no, like you said, it, you know, yeah, it was the definite three at the back. Um, I remember obviously playing with obviously Butts and Colsey and, and myself. So it must have been like you said, Woody Wide and Tins in the middle. Um, yeah. Good, good side. Um, and for you, for you, Steve, as a goalkeeper, having three at the back as opposed to the to the to the four, is that is that any different for you? Are you always looking to set the wing backs off? It 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 made um, made no difference though how I played. We never played out to the back, um, uh, so it, it didn't make any difference. It, yeah, your your communication is slightly different, obviously, because you've got three centre halves in different places rather than two occupying the space. Um, and you've got your full backs that basically need to be like running machines, your, your wing backs, sorry. Um, so you're just making sure that, you know, people are in the right places at the right times if there's a transition in play or we lose the ball for it, if you like. Um, so, yeah, it didn't really make any difference to me. I just made sure I was, I tried to get him in, in the way of it. Yeah. That was about it. Absolutely. Um, so, so we're playing 3-5-2, however you want to look at it, but we've got... Christian Roberts, Lee Miller, and Tony Rougier as three strikers. How did that work? It was, to be honest, I think it was maybe when Danny goes back to it, it's, well, when he probably looked at it at the end of the, the season. I can't remember the reasons why, because Tony came in late. Yeah, he did. And, um, you know, he, he had a few flashes of, of good performances and whether he should have or shouldn't have played in that, in that final or the sentiments of what happened in the in the semis. I I can't remember the reasons to why he played and, you know, listen, I love Tony as well. Great guy, but I wasn't too sure why he, he played and someone else should have played. Can't remember who it was at the time. Well, um, he was on the bench. But in terms of form and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a couple of sort of questionable, should I say, questionable decisions um, in terms of, you know, personnel playing and not playing. But, you know, again, you live and die by your decisions, don't you, as a manager? And Absolutely. Maybe on, a, on, a, on another, you know, time he may have gone a different route. But easy in hindsight, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you touched on it. The uh, the LDV Vans Trophy has gone through so many different different names now. Um, but yeah. it was a it was a trophy that I think we we as a club are, are still hold the record for the most for the most wins of. So um, obviously a trophy that we enjoy playing. 2-0 Cardiff against Carlisle over in Cardiff um, back in the February of that season. As you touched on there, Matt, it was a, it's a trophy and what a night that must have been. But uh, let's talk about the game quickly. So the lineup: Steve Phillips, and then we've got Lewis, Tony Butler, Danny Coles and Mickey Bell. Scott Murray, Joe Burnell, Tommy Doherty, Brian Tinian, Christian Roberts and Lee Peacock. So more of a 4-4-2 in that one, Matt. Yes. Um, yeah. No, um, like you say, in terms of how things were playing. Um, yeah, I think at that period in time, we were a, a four. Again, as I said to you before, you know, we were, a, you know, we had players that can adapt in, you know, in different formations. I think that was what was good about our, um, you know, our personnel within the team. We were very adaptable. Um, but like you said, at the time, uh, uh, unfortunately, I got drunk. Bob's had that, that curly finger. Um, I can't remember if it was the night for a couple of days before it, just to say, look, this is what I'm thinking. Um, you know, I was not happy whatsoever, but, you know, for a tactical reasons and, you know, um, the manager's reason to why he, he made that decision. Um, listen, end of the day, 
footballers want to play football. I'm sure, like anything, you know, it'd have been disappointed if I just accepted and gone, okay, you want to play every game and this is a final as well, which you want to play. But again, you know, when the game starts and I, I say when the game ends, look, I managed to get on the pitch, but it, yeah, it's still were, fantastic at the end of the day that we won it. You were on the pitch when the second goal went in and you were on the pitch when they lifted the trophy. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you say, you know, in, in, in hindsight, easy, at the, you know, the initial point of view, you're selfish, you want to play in that final. Who doesn't want to play in the final? Um, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted to play in that final, but like, like I said, I didn't. But I managed to get on and, like you say, we won the game, which is the main thing. Absolutely. And, you know, we enjoyed a great celebration in the in the evening. I'm sure. Steve, for that game for you, the occasion, um, how do you prepare for a big game like that? For you, is it, does it make any difference? Um, no, not, not for me personally. No, I always, I always prepare myself for every game exactly the same. Yeah, of course, in front of... 50,000 fans. I didn't, I think they brought probably 20. So anything, the attendance, what was it? 60,000 maybe? No, 59,13. That is is a big difference, what you're normally used to. And it's it's about your character and your mentality of how you deal with that and the noise that they they, they create and the expectations of, um, there isn't as, I don't think the the Johnson's paint or whatever trophy is called now has been very, very kind to me. I've done, Playoff final and LDV trophy. It's obviously called different things as I go along. In the same year, three times. Wow. So it's been very, very kind to me. And and you can't compare, for me, you can't compare going to an LDV final and a playoff final. Basically, you set out to get to the final, the Johnson's paint. That's what you set out for in that trophy. If you win it, it's a bonus, but you just want to get to Wembley. There's nothing on the end of it other than a cut win, which everybody wants. Once you get there, you want to win it. But the main thing is to get to Wembley and to experience, or the Cardiff, experience the day. But the playoff final is remarkably different in the pressure that is under you're under um, compared to that trophy. Was did so? So we've touched on both games. So very two very different mindsets is what I'm sort of getting from you in terms of you've got nothing to lose versus you've got loads to lose. Did you have? I think you did have um, um, a psychologist that was working with you at the time. Was there any messaging from that from that person before the game, half time, sort of words in the ear to sort of get you sort of in a different mindset, Steve? Um, Brian Jones was his name, and right. um, I never and I Matty used him a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Sorry, a lot of us used him. Um, I used him for s- things that were totally different um, than what other guys would have used him for. I always had this thing that I, it took me a while to get out of. That I'd wake up on match day and just think, "Don't make a mistake! Don't make a mistake! Don't make a mistake!" Um, that was the only thing I struggled with. Um, and he helped me turn that into um, change, changing that thought process into something more positive um, because I didn't want to wake up for 22 years on the trot every game, 628 of them, waking up every day thinking, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, constantly throughout the day until it actually kicks off. Um, and, and that was something that I... I yeah, I struggled to overcome until Brian came in. So we worked hard on that. 
Um, and again, you talk about mentality. I speak to all the Zoom guests that I talk to and they play at the top. They're internationals. They all talk about mentality um, and it can mean so many different things. Um, but for me, the psychology behind playing in goal, especially when you know that, you know, you, you're on a hide into nothing, really. Um, if you do make a mistake, you get absolutely slaughtered. Um, and and really to, to play in goal um, is very difficult. Uh, there's a lot of uh, tactical aspects and technical aspects that people don't even understand. You don't just stand in the goal and you, you're good at it. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a very technical position and a position where you're you're hung out to dry. Well, exactly. I mean, if if you if you make a, a mistake as a goalkeeper, it's likely to lead to a goal, as you say. But you know, the, just going to the, the current climate in Bristol City, Dan Bentley has been probably the player of the season this season, and in the last month, he's made two mistakes that have that have cost us a goal, and and it's cost us the, sometimes the game. Um, but you know, he he has been sort of the the as I say, the, probably the player of the year this season. But it just does highlight the fact that, that you are you are exposed. Um, and it's not surprising that you, you woke up every morning thinking, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. Whereas a striker, you know, a striker's got, got to get the goals. Um, and if they make a mistake, if they shoot wide or over or slice it or something, it, you know, it's not going to have anywhere near the impact that it was as a goalkeeper. Um, coming to you, Matt, the way you use Brian Jones, the, the, the psychologist, how, how, how was that for you? I don't even know if it's still a role that, they, that they've that they got down at Ashton Gate, to be honest, because I've often I've often commented uh, and said that in the past few years, we often go on these streaky runs. We have six wins and then six defeats. And it, it needs sort of some sort of mental coaching to get to change that mindset. How was it for you, Matt? Yeah, it was massive for me. Um, yeah. Obviously, like I said, a young lad coming through. Um, you know, Bristol's a big place. You're known, you know, you're known for you know mistakes. You're known for doing well. Um, and I, I did struggle because you know for nerves and things like that. Because, like you said, if I didn't play well, guess what? It's in the papers. Guess what? You made fun up. Say, ah, I see you're a five out of ten, or I see that you had a stinker. And you never really got away from it. And I did used to worry about playing well in front of my mum and my dad and you know your girlfriend and all the other bits. Um, so I had, you know, a, a kind of, I did feel the weight of shoulders to, to, to have to play well for everyone else and sometimes forgetting about yourself. Um, and even Brian, just a, a simple sit down talk to sort of say, right, okay, who are you going to play against? What's his strengths? What's his weaknesses? And this is, and I mean, we had the, we may have had the chat half an hour because he pulled me in from a warm up and we went in his office for like 10 minutes in his office, quick bang, 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 or five minutes. Who you playing against? What's your role? And I was going, he does this, he does that, he does that. And it literally was, where's your worry? What's well, gone? Do you know what I mean? Because I was so focused now and switching. It was just as simple as that. Who am I playing against? What do I need to do? What's my drills? What's my job? And that was it. I'm just focused, right? Bang. I know, bang, 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 bang. Right, I'm gone. I'm on the pitch. And sometimes, like you said, when you're playing, you're in the zone anyway. But you know, like you, you know what it's like, Steve, you're standing in the tunnel and you, you start to think about things. I just changed my mindset to, you know, almost looking at that player alongside you and going, I'm going to have you. I know what you do. You know, you come and chase me. And 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 that was it then. It was kind of, you know, looking at that player and saying, you know, as we always like to say, you're going to jump in my back pocket and, you know, I'm going to have you today. So, um, listen, there was loads of little things Brian helped us with. Um, 
but you know that was one of the main things for me in terms of mindset um you know he actually caught me as well it was a big moment for me um we played Leicester I think we're in I swear we're in the fourth round or something like that anyway and in my head before the game we're at Filbert Street we're against Leicester Premiership side you know, it's a great time to shine on the highlights. You know, I I gave away a penalty and scored an own goal, so I was on. I was on. I was, I got the highlight sort of mention, but all for the wrong wrong reasons. Um, but again, in that moment, because I think I had had a that was my sort of continuation of making little mistakes or errors for penalties. And this and that was another one that I got. And again, you're trying to make yourself as big as you can to block a block a cross. The ball just whacks you on the hand handball penalty do you know what I mean it's like flip in hell um, but like you said you get caught you get penalised and you, like you said you take all that loss on you you know it's my fault I did this and you know Brian did help me to again refocus and, and go again and I think as well I have to always go back to the manager as well because in them moments where as a young lad you will make mistakes he still had a lot of trust in us and had a lot of trust in me to sort of say, don't worry about it, go again, you know, and play the next one. Then he could have easily just gone, out you go. So, you know, both of the management, Brian, Frank combined, you know, they were the perfect team for us young boys coming through. And and subsequent clubs you went to, a question for both of you, was there, was there that psychologist person on site? Um, and obviously Danny Wilson must have had a lot of trust in, in Brian to to almost help you guys in some areas that maybe he couldn't, because some managers probably see themselves as a psychologist and able to, uh, to change players' mindsets. But what, what was it like sort of when you, when you went on to a different club? Was, did that role exist? No, there was no other. Well, actually, I'll tell a lie. Um, I went back to Sheffield United and Brian was there with Danny Wilson when he brought me there. And at Wolves, we had a, a period um, when I was at Wolverhampton Wanderers and, um, we were just struggling to kind of get over the line, winning, you know, at the championship, doing well. Um, and we had a bit of a wobble and uh, Mick McCarthy brought a, a, a fella in. And again, you know, just opened it up for players to to use. Um, because like you said, there's pressure in different ways. There's pressure of staying up. There's pressure in terms of trying to, to get up. Um, so there was an opportunity to to use his services then, um, which certain players did. And again, it's not, it's not for everyone. Um, yeah. But... That's probably the only two clubs, or say three, Bristol City, Sheffield United, but that's the same personnel. And um, and at Wolves that we briefly used it, but again, it wasn't for too long okay. uh, before he left, I think. Yeah. That was after he got promoted and gone. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, coming back to you, Steve. Um, so, so you left the club in, in 2006. What what was sort of the the main sort of reasons behind that? I know, um, I think Adriano Basso came into the club um, and that was a sign-in by Gary Johnson. Were you then basically a second-choice keeper and you wanted to carry on as a first-choice keeper? Um, yeah, well, I, yeah, I was never going to be number two. Um, it, it, my whole career was never about anything else other than playing, training and playing. That's all I wanted to do. There was going to become a point in 10 years at that club where a manager came in and didn't like me for some reason. All I asked would be, was to be treated fairly. I had no problem about another goalie coming in. Um, it, it, it became very apparent very quickly that um, I was not going to be part of his, his team. 
Um, I think he left Lewis out. I think he left Scotty out. I think he left Marcus Stewart out. I think he met, uh, left Michael Bridges out. So the nucleus of players that had either been very high in their professional uh, game, i.e. Stewie and, and Michael Bridges obviously played for Leeds and Ipswich and all that. He didn't want anyone there that was that had a, a decent career at the club or had a higher played higher somewhere else. That's what my that's what it felt like. So it, straight away, I was I was always I was on the back foot straight away, and and all I asked for was to be treated fairly. And if he'd have said, "Steve, you ain't for me," find yourself a club, buzzing. Thanks very much. I'd have shook his hand, and I'd have gone and found myself a new club. But he didn't. He made it ridiculously hard. He, he, I was playing in the reserves. He was taking me off in the reserves after an hour and putting Nathan Abbey in goal. What? What for? If As, if Fasso goes down injured, I'm playing. Why am I only playing half an hour a week uh, at 60 minutes out of a 90-minute game and lo- losing half an hour's game time? These are all things that no one really knows. And he's, he, he, it, it, you know, it, it bores me talking about it because people ask me constantly. It's, it honestly bores me. And everybody has their own opinion. And, and it bores me to listen to people say, oh, you two threw your toys out of the pram. Well, I had a reason why I threw my toys out of the pram. Um, and 10 years at the club and... You know, I gave every single ounce of energy to playing for that football club, and I just felt I was disrespected. Um, uh, they wanted money for me, which I couldn't quite get my head round, which stopped me from going to clubs as soon as I could. And yeah, people don't really know the whole story behind behind everything. And yeah, I was a bit, I was miserable. Yeah, I, I, I will hold my hands up and say I probably could have acted a little bit differently around the place, but. Um, I wouldn't change anything in my career, and that's one moment where I would definitely wouldn't change anything. I had a reason to to be to be frustrated, and um, yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a, a weird one because I remember getting a phone call off Steve Book, who was the goalie goalie coach of Bristol Rovers. I've known Bucky all my career, played for Cheltenham for donkeys years, and played against him. And he's a, he's a top bloke, and he, he rang me, and I didn't even answer it by saying hello. <laughs> I just said, "Yeah, I'll come," because I knew I knew what he was ringing about. Because I, because I wasn't playing, I was looking constantly at goalies that weren't on form, and they had a little bit. They were struggling, and Scott Shearer was one of those goalies. Rovers were at the bottom of the league below, and um, it. He said, "Look," he said, uh, "I said you don't even need to ask me if you got fifty grand. I think they wanted fifty grand. Might be wrong, but I think it was fifty. I, I said if a club are willing to pay the fifty grand, mate, I'm coming." All I want to do is play. I don't care who it is, where I'm going. Um, uh, it could have been Timbuktu United. I just wanted to play. And um, that was the bottom line. It was unfortunate, but fortunate, the fact that it was Bristol Rovers, because obviously the breakdown of my um, relationship with the Bristol City fans was imminent and immediate. Um, going back after three months in the Johnson's Paint area final wasn't helpful um and it it caused a lot of hassle for me constantly feeling threatened where i had to go out if i wanted to go out i had to have a minder um yeah like but it didn't bother me i I would just felt frustrated that it had got to that point if i'd have been treated fairly i wouldn't have ended up at bristol rovers because i would have gone sooner um and it but on the back of that oh what an amazing time Promotion, Johnson's Paint final, player of the season in my first season there, every award, um, which I had to get, by the way, because 
going from Bristol City to Bristol Rovers, and we talk about the penalty save, Matty. Everybody remembers that because they went down two games later by a point. Um, yeah. So I had to overcome a lot of hurdles for that club to try and get their support. And, and I managed it. And you talk about mentality. I say it's a bit boring now. I've said it a few times, but you talk about mentality. Boy, did I need it in abundance for that first season. And um, yeah. it yeah. just, it was, that just typified me as a, as a, as a player, really, uh, throughout my career. I was never beaten. Um, um, at, I think throughout my footballing career, um, well, I've always been doubted. Um, even when I turned pro, there was only probably, other than my family, three, two or three people that actually thought that I would actually get in the first team. Everybody else thought, oh, Brit- oh so here he is, Steve, the goalie that for Bristol City. This never played for Bristol City. I'd only been there a year. So I was always the underdog and, and I was never going to be the underdog. My mentality was too strong and my work work ethic was too strong for that. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a tricky time that year when I had to leave and it could have been handled so much, so much, so differently. Yeah, that was very tricky. You went on then to play for a number of clubs, Shrewsbury, Crew, Nant Nantwich Town, Shepton Mallet, Bath, Mangotsfield, and finished your career at Yeovil, I think. Yeah, well, I, I went to Shrewsbury on loan in my last year at Bristol Rovers. I also went out to Ankaguchi, which was the team Darius Vassal was playing for in the Turkish Super League. And um, they flew oh, me out right. first class. First class in the plane, it was like, I've never seen nothing like it. And I'd heard rumours about the way they treat foreign players in Turkey. So I thought, oh, should I go or not? And they, I spoke to my agent, I spoke to the FA, and they said, UEFA look after foreign players very well. So if they end up not paying you, UEFA will make them pay and all that. So I went, all right, well, let's go out and have a listen and see what i got to say. So we flew out first class, got there, massive hotel, got picked up in this limousine. I've never seen anything like it. It was ridiculous. Four days in the hotel, never spoke to anyone. So on, on the fourth day, I said to my agent, I said, right, if no one, if we don't see anyone today, mate, I'm going home. And again, nothing happened. So we flew home. <laughs> we flew home that evening and I went to Shrewsbury on loan. What a play. A brilliant, brilliant club. Uh, Dave Timmons was a goalie coach, an absolute top, top bloke. And arguably played three months there, the best I've played. And I had a, I, you know, I had some good runs of form. That came to an end because Chris Nill uh, had come back from a groin injury. And then I went to Crew on loan, Dario Grady and um, Steve Davis. And I spent five years at Crew, promotion, Johnson's paint trophy win, um, play with people like Nick Powell, Ashley Westwood, um, James Bailey, Luke Murphy, proper players. Like you're talking standout match winning players. Nick Powell's goal against Cheltenham in the playoff final. You'll never see a better goal in Wembley as long as it's there. But because it's a little crew in a League Two playoff final, it sort of gets overlooked. But if that was, if he was playing for England and he'd scored that, or Man United, where he went when he left us, you wouldn't be seeing it constantly. It was unbelievable. And then I retired, had a bit of a shoulder injury, um, where I had a big operation. I missed the whole season. And I, ne- I did recover, but it became harder the older I got to train enough uh, to be able to play at that level. And in the end, I brought Ben Garrett through. I was the goalie coach for the last two years, player goalie coach. I brought Ben Garrett through and he, he eventually stepped in. And then I came home uh, out of literally a few games for Shepton to help a mate out and then went to Bath with AD, AD Britain, um, which was brilliant. And then I had a knee operation, which was only a, a tidy up, but it, it 
it sort of Gary Hours took over them and that was that. And I went to Mangotsfield with Boris, David Mayhew, and loved that. And then David met Boris left <laughs> and I went to Yeovil's um goalkeeping coach stroke number two. Um finished up about a year and a half ago when I was about 40, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, so I mean goalkeepers, you know, you do tend to see goalkeepers playing until that sort of age. Um, so it's uh, you know, what a career stand stand all those all those years and and as you say, uh, a high number of appearances. So absolutely fantastic. Um, we'll come on to what you're doing now in a second. But Matt from yep. Bristol City, you moved on to Preston, um, and tell us about that. Your departure from Bristol City was that someone coming in for you? How did that come about? Yeah, um, I can't remember that. That was the what do we do? Yeah, so it would have been the. Um, uh the year of obviously we we got we lost in the playoff final um i was due a, a new contract um i think at the time when there's a few players leaving and you know you, you end up looking at yourself and thinking well actually you know i'm one of the most established players at for, for bristol city in terms of games played um thinking that's um yeah it's my time to be you know rewarded for the for the good play and 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 uh, be given a, a decent contract, but uh, unfortunately, being a, a Bristolian and a, and a young lad, that that never that never came about. Um, but you know, we did sign. I wouldn't say reluctantly. I did did sign a contract, a slightly better contract than what I had. But we did put a clause in to say, look, if this is what you believe I'm worth, then we had a clause in the contract to say that if there was, um, you know, a club from the Championship and above. You know that was willing to put that amount down. Then I was able to, I was able to leave. Um, so again, signed that contract, and you know, uh, was playing. That's and then, like you say, come that January, um, yeah, it was activated. Uh, QPR actually, um, you know, activated it to start off with. Went down to see in Holloway, ran the training ground, had a little look, came home to sort of say to mum, uh, mum, to my missus, uh, as well as my mum, <laughs> but to kind of say, look, you know, we're we're. You know, it looks like we're going to QPR, but literally, as I pulled up, no word of I pulled up to the um, to the house, and my phone rings, and a number I don't recognise, and I pick it up, and it's a Scottish accent, and uh, it says, "Hi, is this Matty?" And I'm like, "Yes." And it says, "Billy Davis from Preston North End," and I was thinking, "I don't know no Billy Davis." Um, so whatever, and he said, "Oh, we've 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 uh, activated your, um, you know, your clause, and you know, we're, we're able to to speak. Would you be able to come up?" So I remember walking into the house and saying, uh, "Love, you know, yeah, QPR was great, but Preston have just come in now." And first thing my partner went was, "Where's Preston?" <laughs> you know, so uh, we had only just bought our new house like six months, so we were like, "Oh, okay, it's it's up north," and having a little look, and obviously, so I went. So it was like a good three-hour drive up to up to Preston. Um, you know, looked to round manager obviously, you know, just saying what he needed to say and showed me around. Um, actually, no one actually knows this, but I came back home and um, Millwall had activated my contract as well, uh, the, the clause. And I actually went to see Millwall, uh, something I never said, but um, met with Dennis Wise. And um, what's the, um, uh, um, is it the fetus? Uh, he was on Dragon's Den. Did I say oh, the, the, yeah, the, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The chairman at Millwall at the time. Yeah. I remember this is a funny one. So, um, met with Dennis Wise. I had to try and chase him around to follow him in my car to, to get to the stadium. He was trying to lose me riding around London. Anyway, 
that's why he's has to quickly go off the court. I'm sitting in with fear for fetus and sitting in his room and he, and he looks at me and then he goes, how hard can you kick a ball? And I was like, hmm, uh, kick it all right. I can kick it fairly hard. And he went, how fast can you run? And he said, are you really fast or like super fast? I was like, well, don't, not many, not many, uh, strikers or wingers get past me so i'd say i'm pretty quick he was oh right okay well good you know and you're like you're looking to come to board. it was the weirdest of experience anyway um to sit in and, and have that chat <laughs> but um anyway i came back home after that and you know just said look you know preston uh you know was was more for me and and uh you know unfortunately i had to give the news to, to well it's fortunate for me but you know obviously you have to break uh, bristol the news, uh, Brian, the news and say that, you know, I made my decision to go to Preston and yeah, it's, it, you know, it was the best decision made and, you know, like you say, going up a, into the championship from league one to the championship, it's, it was daunting, it was scary, but um, something I was really excited about. Well, and you actually got into the playoff final in your first season, almost went up to the Premier League at that point. Yeah, so, you know, it was funny, um, well, not funny, but, um, you know, when, when I signed, you know, it, it, I remember sitting there and, you know, I trained two, two training sessions and, you know, you come in on the on the Saturday, you sit down in, on the on the bench. I was fairly relaxed, to be fair, because I was just thinking, there's no way, you know, I'm going to start this game or anything. And next minute, blah, 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 Hill. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm starting straight from the word go against Leicester. He's chucked me in and we're, we're you know, I'm, I'm off and we're playing. Um, we drew 1-1, uh, which was, you know, we, we did well, played well. Um and then, um, like you say, the rest kind of, I signed the same day as David Nugent. So obviously, mirrored his name, but a striker, a young lad, uh, came from Bury. Um, so he got more of the, the, the accolades when we both signed together. But um, yeah, it was an unbelievable sort of season, you know, second half to the season. You know, we were, you know, traveling away to West Ham and Norwich and all these sort of places and, and playing games. It was just, you know, you know, fantastic. But, Again, you know, I, I give Steve so much credit and, and, and literally a bit of jealousy as well because, um, you know, he got to finals and he won finals. I got to finals and lost finals. I, I had three playoff finals on the bounce. So that's my second one. So I did Bristol City final, lost, mm. um, Preston. So this is how it went. I'll just quickly say we went Cardiff semi-final and we lost. Following season, I went Bristol City, uh, Brighton, lost. Season straight afterwards, I went Preston final against West Ham, lost 1-0. Season after that, fourth season, semi-final, Preston lost to Leeds. So I was just like, flip me. Do you know what I mean? The playoffs, um, the playoffs aren't your friend, then are they? And three... I don't know if oh, my God. And then I did the playoff final with... And, and this proves how I would never, ever win a playoff. You know when they say bridesmaid and never the bride and all that? Um, for Sheffield United, under Danny Wilson, we kept I kept a clean sheet in the, both semifinals, kept a clean sheet in the final, and lost on pens. So three clean sheets in the playoffs. I still never got promoted. <laughs> how? So you never, I was never, ever going to win. Never, ever going to win the playoffs. So, you know, to, you know we lost 11... 10 or 10, whatever it was, nine on penalties. I did score my pen, by the way, 10 penalty taker. Um, but like you say, destined never to win a playoff. So, you know, I, a yeah. bit of jealousy there with Steve uh, had all the upside of winning. So, um, 
Yeah. So you it, actually, you actually, you only. You it hurts. It hurts. Playoffs is just not my thing. Yeah. You, so you only actually stopped playing football, according to Wikipedia, um, in the last couple of years. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, did I play? I only played a little bit last year, obviously with the coronavirus. So well, mm. probably two seasons ago. Okay. Um, playing properly and regularly for Stafford Rangers. Um, I enjoy it. Like I said. How are you filling your time uh, currently? Um, so I work at a, a behaviour school doing a PE, PE teaching during the during the day. Um, so that's a challenge in itself, a primary school. So I have lots of fun um, uh, educating younger kids in the sporting area. Um, in terms of football-wise, um, I've got a, a small development centre myself in Preston. Um, it's been going, well, I'll be my fifth year um, in, in doing that. And, you know, the aim is to, to give, you know, grassroots players that opportunity to to play against academy teams and things like that. And, you know, we've had well well over sort of 20 to, to 30 kids, sort of, you know, sign at different age groups, which has been fantastic. Um, you know, James, Mike James was one of them um, that we set up really to give him that opportunity to to showcase himself and, you know, has, has, has gone on and he's got a story to tell himself. Um, and, and yeah, like you say, I enjoy it you know, helping the grassroots level. I am also at Blackpool Academy doing the under 15s and 16s, um, progressing there. Um, and now this this season, um, I've now taken on the, the manager's role at, at Stafford Rangers. So it's my first taste in, in management to, uh, right. to see what it's all about. So I'm in my coaching development, I'm kind of ticking all the boxes. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I love football, like you say. And, you know, if I can't play it, then... Uh, and coach it and manage it. Well, fantastic. I'm glad to hear you're in management now and, and obviously involved at grassroots. So that's a fantastic story and, and we'll keep an eye on that in the in the future. Uh, Steve, coming back to you, tell us uh, what's filling your days at the moment. You said about some, you, you've got your goalkeeping academy. Yeah, um, me and Holly uh, have, have got three cafes that we own. Um which obviously is a bit tricky at the moment, but um, they're they're doing the business is doing great in a in a tricky situation with obviously the coronavirus. But um, one of them's um, linked to EDF, which is Hinkley Point, um, which is massive. Uh, so we're all we're going fine with them. And Holly works really hard on on that side of the business. Um, my side is the goalkeeping academies. I got three. I got probably a hundred kids over three different schools. Um, grassroots like Matty's Matty's doing I get so much I get a a massive thrill from helping the kids um, improve because it's not only improving as a goalie their self-esteem improves their confidence improves their relationships with other kids improve because they're playing better It, it is an absolute dream job for me I do three nights a week Um, I've obviously got three kids um, with uh, Liz my ex-wife uh, I've got Ruby who's 14 months and I've got another one on the way so right. everything's very good mate not as busy as you though Matty by the side <laughs> of it <laughs> but every, yeah everything's everything's really good we've done a renovation on the house for the last six months we've only just moved in um, we, we have been busy but busy with great great stuff um, but my goalkeeping schools um I absolutely love teaching the kids and and watch them grow and watch them improve. Love the messages I get off the parents. Um, and like Mary said, if I can't play anymore, 
I probably could, but I'd probably embarrass myself a little bit. But I, um, it's the next next best thing, isn't it? And I, yeah. I, I just want to produce the next Steve Phillips, and that's um, something that I've managed to do in the re- very recently. Archie Matthews, who was with me from eleven to fourteen, I got him into the Swindon Academy. He played. He made his debut two weeks ago in League One. Um, and likewise, the boy that was on the bench for Bristol City, um, Wales Richards, was on the bench. He was with me for three years at this, roughly the same sort of age. So, you know, I, I am producing um, and, and doing exactly what I've set out to do. And um, I just want to keep doing it, really. And I just want the kids. Listen, I'm not I don't I don't care whether they make professional level. All I care about is that they love the training, they improve. Um, people clap them for their performances and because goalkeeping, like I said earlier on in the piece, is such a hard position to play and people don't understand the mental side that, that it can have an effect on you, especially as a kid and even your own players. I, I watch grassroots football constantly and Matty, I'll tell you, as a kid in goal, if you've not been coached, it's a very hard position to play and if you haven't been coached, you're not going to save many shots. That is a fact. So even the, the the body language of your own central defender can have an impact on that kid and the way his self-esteem is. And it it baffles me that it, 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 the, the grassroots circle is um, parents, the biggest, sometimes are the biggest problem without even them knowing it, okay. just from the conversations they have in the car. So I love it. I don't just turn up and coach. I teach life skills. I teach, you know, the, how to be better play people and how to be, um, polite and you know things that should just be natural but aren't unfortunately but I do try and, and teach them everything if people want to find out more about your goalkeeping academy have you got somewhere they can go a website Facebook or something yeah, so, yeah Facebook Steve Phillips goalkeeping academy like I said I've got one in Bridgewater on Tuesday night I've got one in Yeovil on a Wednesday night and I've got one in Midsummer Norton on a Friday which is only on a Friday because Somerville School, which is where I've been since I've started five years ago, um, hasn't reopened their AstroTurf due to the coronavirus. So I've had to move to another school just up the road. So that will go back to Monday when it reopens. But at the moment, we're on Friday night in Midsummer Norton. And, and there, I, get, I get asked questions like, and this blows my mind, parents will message me and say, what level have you got to be to join your goalkeeping school? And I'm like, what do you mean? Just have a pair of gloves. Just bring your gloves, bring a smile. Love it. Don't you don't even have you, you don't even have to be able to catch it. I'll teach you how to catch it, right? Don't because and then all of a sudden, my mind clicks into gear about the, the mental side of the game for the kids. And how's that kid feeling if his mum's got to ask me what level he's got to be? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I I think really deeply into the into the 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 development side of it. Not only in the goal, but mentally as well for the kids because I see it and I've been a part of that and um, the highs and the lows and I want to keep everybody, especially kids, like I, I banned the word mistake and I had a, I, I had one of the mums doing press-ups around the side of the pitch because she said, <laughs> she said, um, there's no, mis- there's no, in goal until you start getting paid to play, there's no such thing as a mistake, right? When you start getting paid, semi-pro, pro, whatever, then it matters. Right, I know it matters, but it matters more when you get paid. It's just a learning, kids, isn't it? Yeah, age, of course it is. And Matt, Matt, you tell you because he's in, involved in the in the in the coaching with the kids and that. And I see it. 
constantly mistake oh you made a mistake I'm like get down and give me 20 press-ups because you know that that word is banned in my goalkeeping academy and I made her do 20 press-ups it took her about 40 minutes she did one at a time <laughs> brilliant absolutely brilliant but yeah so the kids I just want them to smile I want them to enjoy it I want them to develop you know everybody will develop at different speeds and different levels but it's yeah. it's all about loving the game so you're you're still in in the southwest in in Bristol area, Bridgewater, yeah, Bridgewater, Bridgewater, right? Okay, yeah. And and Matt, for you, obviously settled in Preston. Are you, any sign of you coming back to Bristol at any point, or are you happy up in up the north? Just shaking. No, it, obviously I've all my yeah. No, <laughs> this is home. Um, yeah, we're happy. You know, the kids are at school still. I've got obviously the the the, the I said it's the younger two um, are at senior school now. Um, Tyler's in his uh, the middle one. Tyler, he's in his um, last. Well, he been year eleven uh, in September. Um, he's actually looking to follow his brother's footsteps. So he's at Blackpool, and I'm actually coaching him at this moment in time. So I don't know if that's a good Ooh, thing or a bad thing for him. Tricky, uh, tricky, tricky. How's, that? How's so, that working yeah. out for you? Yeah. Not too bad. I think he, I think he's gaining the respect in terms of obviously his. His brothers listened to a few tips and that, and he's progressing. So I think Tyler is started to believe that um, you know what Dad's saying is is relevant. Um, you know he is maturing now, and I think he does listen. But we have had a pact that once coaching's over and I'm in the car, we will not talk football unless he asks me a question. Right. So uh, nine times out of ten, anyway, he'll sit in the car and he put his earpods in and <laughs> he's got his music on, and you know <laughs> he don't listen to me anyway. Um, but yeah, I think obviously with his with his brother, um, you know, starting to to make the grade in in the professional football, I think he's got the bit between his teeth to like anything. They want to be better than their dad. He wants to be better than his brother. You know, so we're kind of competitive with that. It's a good job I have a daughter as well at the end of it, just to uh, you know distract me yeah. with the dancing and all that. And and your lad, your lad that's twenty. Who who does he play for? For for those who don't know, uh, so James is at Fleetwood Town. Um, so they're in League One uh, at this moment in time. Um, I think he must have played about twenty games this season with cups awesome. and, and leagues, league games. So he's only, like you say, he's just turned nineteen, well, nineteen in January. So you know, playing at centre half, he, he's blessed with his granddad's um, height. Um, I think I was always destined to be a centre half, but I have my mum's height. So uh, yeah, he's um, he's yeah, he's got all the potential. Um, to to you know to have a good career, but again, like anything, as Steve knows, it is a bit of luck um, as well as skill. Brilliant. Well, thank you both so much for your time this evening. Um, a, a big happy birthday for you, uh, Matty, for for tomorrow. And um, yeah, we'll be back next time for another Robins Reunited. Thanks everyone for joining us. Take care. If you like the podcast, share and subscribe. Tell your friends. And uh, as I said, we'll be back again soon. Bye for now. Home, warm smiles, a crash and burn.